It was a fairly ordinary Sunday night. Les and Rita Piper, together with their two boys, uh, Reg, who was about 14 and 15, and Graeme, who was four years younger, uh, walked down Young Street, turned right into the main road of Coldale, walked up to the little wooden church, and then the doors were opened, the lights put on, and people from Coldale assembled for church. The normal assembly number was about 14 or so, and so we did. And then in came Mr Hill. Mr Hill was a lay preacher. He'd walked all the way down from Scarborough, Wambara, in the dark. The lighting was pretty poor in those days. He had a little case, and in the little case was his robes. He put them on. He led us in, morning prayer, in evening prayer and then preached a sermon. His sermon, in his sermon, uh, he expounded the terrors of hell and how we must all avoid them at the greatest cost. Uh, Then uh, we sang the final hymn, we said goodbye to each other, the lights were put out and we all went home. And Mr Hill walked all the way back to his place in Scarborough, Wambara. That day was the day my life was changed forever. I remember closing the bedroom door and kneeling down beside my bed and praying that the Lord Jesus would be my Saviour and my Lord and that he would take me through through eternity. Now, I could ask a whole lot of you to come up here and give your testimony Well, that's mine. I want us all, on the one hand, to identify with someone who is given their testimony. Now, the other person I want you to identify with is the man called Peter. Peter was irrepressible. He was the first disciple to leave his job and join Jesus. He was the first to declare that Jesus was the Christ. He was the one who was adamant that though all the rest would not follow Jesus, he would at the cost of his life. He was the one who drew his sword and cut off Malchus's ear. He was the one who denied Jesus three times. He was the one who was first to enter the empty tomb. He was the one who denied knowing him three times and that still didn't stop him from being at the tomb first. He was the one who dived into Lake Galilee so he could come to the resurrected Lord first of all. He was irrepressible. No wonder Mark sought him out as the one to help him write his gospel. And it is little wonder that a tradition exists, I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but that when he was martyred, and that was true in Nero's persecutions, he wanted to be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to be done the same way as his master. Now, it's this letter who has written, this 
apostle, this Peter, who has written to those churches in modern-day Turkey. It was about 64 AD. He was writing just before the Neronian persecutions. He was writing to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia and he was warning them that the fiery trial that the Rome has uh, having at that time and about to happen under Nero would be for them as well. In other words, he was calling upon them to keep the faith despite the fact that it was going to be a really tough time in the future before they entered into glory. Now, it's at the heart of that letter that we have these words in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. When Sheila was asked to speak a little bit about herself, now I'm sure Sheila will understand, she's a little bit younger than me, of course, but she said then she was under construction And friends, that's how I am as well. This is what I've thought as I've read those verses that were read to us by Doris. I keep on trying to, and that's why I've given us three points for the session. Here's the first point. Let's understand our identity. When Peter talks to us, this is what he says. But you, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. Then verse 10, once you were not a people, now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you're under mercy. Dear friends, you're foreigners, you're exiles. Let's try and understand our identity. Let's try to keep on thinking, who are we? We're the people of God. Who are we? Well, I want to make three points under that heading. We're no longer nobodies. I guess at about 14 and 15, if I'd been told that, I'd have thought, (laughs) what's he talking about? Uh, There are lots of good people around. Uh, Myself, well, I want to be a footballer. Then I change into I want to be a policeman. Then I change into I want to be a science teacher. And then I change to I wanted to be an Anglican clergyman. Now, I was just like all the other kids, young blokes in Coldale. What's it mean, nobodies? What he means is, if you don't know the God who made us, then we don't, we are not a people. If we haven't understood the God who made each one of us, made us, we're nobodies. We really have missed out on all of life. Now, 
When I started thinking about all this, I thought that's very sect-like. People who are self-righteous and say that they are chosen. Well, you can do it with pride or you can say, oh, I am chosen, therefore I to fear God and honour God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And that's precisely what he wants. Peter then says, you're a chosen people. I thought that I'd chosen God. That was not the case. God had actually chosen me before I ever thought about choosing him. That's what Peter instructs us. Learn this, understand this. If you're a royal priesthood, what does that mean? Well, it means you're praying to the right God, the God who is really there. So you are a prayer. It also means that you're an explainer. That's what priests do. They explain the God whom they serve. But you're royalty. That is, you're with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, not just any old so-called God. One of the things about the um, uh, little church at Caldwell, it was really just a converted house. And on the front wall, there was a green Uh, It was just pure green. You'd never forget it. You couldn't count the bricks on the way up as the the preacher preached. All you could see was this green wall. And there was a scroll which went right across which says, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you went away, you'd go away with nothing else than that. He is the King. He is God. He is the Lord of all the Lords. There is no other God like him. We are God's chosen people. We are his own possession. We have our dignity from him. We do not claim it in a self-righteous way for ourselves. In fact, he says, we're aliens and exiles. That is, we don't belong here. We are citizens of heaven. When I was around about that age, just a little bit later, I went to university in Canberra. Every time I would go to university, to Canberra from Coldale, I would hitchhike. I just liked meeting people and in those days you could do it. Well, I could always, I often used to think as I stood on the side of the road, I wonder whether I'll ever get outside of New South Wales. I often used to think that. Well, as time went on, it happened. And I took the family to England. So what did I do? I went and bought T-shirts for all of us, except Dorothy, who refused, for all of us, and had Australia emblazoned across our chest. Now, why on earth I did that is beyond me. But it's certainly every, every time we walked around England or the United States... They knew where we came from. Peter is saying, our passports say that we are citizens of heaven. We have visas only for a little while here on earth. Friends, try to understand your identity more and more. Pray to God 
that you understand you're not a nobody, that you are God's chosen people and that you are citizens of heaven itself here for a while. Secondly, let's construct the new lifestyle and I would say with great difficulty. First of all, Peter calls us to keep on changing our life patterns from darkness to light. Now, there are the self-destructive, obviously self-destructive life patterns that the pagans have. Chapter 4, verse 3. Peter says, look, you've had enough time doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. Have done with those things. But it's also more like the general public type of things to have done with. Uh, most people in our world, if you want to operate, well, you've got to have malice, you've got to be deceitful, you've got to be the hypocrite, you've got to envy other people, you've got to slander people. We'll have done with those things as well. Don't do those things because they're self-destroying they will destroy your souls. Have done with that. If we've got a new identity, we need a new lifestyle. What, Paul then, uh, what Peter then does is he goes on to talk about cultivating good conduct uh, among the people. And he uses the words, follow in his steps, that is in Christ's steps. In 2.27 he says, be good citizens, honour everyone, love brothers and sisters, fear God, honour the emperor. Take it into the area of your work if you were a slave. Slaves, fear God reverently and submit yourself to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Uh, if you're married, chapter 3, verses 2 and 7, spouses. Wives have reverent and chaste behaviour toward the husband. Husbands bestow honour upon your wife. Oh, generally as believers, finally, all of you in church be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Have a tender heart and a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't insult for insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you might inherit the blessing of the Lord Jesus. Be holy people. As it is written, you shall be holy, for I'm holy. 
And if you invoke God as Father, then conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of this exile. So, first of all, we're going to be disciples, says Peter with a few thoughts. Let's understand our new identity and let's construct actively our new lifestyle. And then thirdly, let's align ourselves with the purpose for living as God's people. Peter calls upon us to keep reshaping our aims. Declare the wonderful deeds of God. When you uh, read through whatever Peter has to say in Acts or in his letter, there are two things that he keeps on talking about as the wonderful deeds of God. They are the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Let me read from uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but this, the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Before the foundation of the world he was destined to be the lamb without spot and he was made manifest as the crucified ones in our times. Through him you have confidence in God who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God himself. So, declare God's wonderful deeds. And as you do it, do it with gentleness and with reverence. University life was interesting life. I think I mainly learned how to play football. That was my chief interest. Uh, And... On one occasion, what they did was you couldn't, we couldn't get all the games on the Sunday, on the Saturday because of the, it was wet and so on. So they put the game onto a Sunday. When the captain rang me up and said, are you available? I said, no, I can't. I'm not available. Sunday I have responsibilities at church and with the youth fellowship in Canberra. Next thing I know, they'd changed the date to Tuesday. So, I was able to play. The little halfback met me in the university grounds on one occasion with his big boys with him and said, oh, I can't play on Sunday, eh? (laughs) I said, yes, that's right, Gwillem. And I'll tell you what, if you do, you'll go to hell. (laughs) Now, that's not the way to do it. If you're going to explain the faith, explain with gentleness, kindness, try to help them to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Declare God wonderful deeds. Two, seek God's glory 
instead of your own glory in the good deeds. Look, if you keep on doing the right thing, and Peter says this, if you keep on doing the right thing, who's to harm you? And in the end, you'll get a good reputation anyway. That's exactly what will happen. Well, that's fine. But identify yourself constantly with Christ. There is a temptation then to let people think you are good rather than your God is good and who gave you that goodness. Thirdly, pour forth God's glory on the day God visits. Have you often thought that there are special times when God is speaking to you? I, I am sure that it was a special time when Mr Hill preached at Coldale and that that was just one of those special times he's been to. I think as I've tried to observe that and think about that, I think it particularly comes at times of sickness uh, or times when things are really going well that you actually are reflective of God and you are thankful. Doris talked about being thankful. Or you're struggling. There's a couple on the bike track who he's, he's had dengue fever and he nearly died. Um, and Dorothy and I were talking with them. We were strangers, really but we're talking with them, gave them time and so on. And one of the lines he used at one stage, he said, he said, I thought my time was ready to meet my maker. He said it was so terrible. Now, obviously at that time I thought this is one of those special times. So how have I been able to speak with him, her, We've prayed for them and so on. I think that if you keep on just keeping yourself alert, that you can actually see that there are special times when God is speaking to people, particularly at that time. Seek to glorify God. And finally... Try to evoke God's glory from the accusing pagans. Peter writes like this. Maintain good conduct among the Gentiles, verse 12, so that in case they speak against you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'm very responsible for what I do, but how can I change the mind of others? Now, friends, I want to encourage you at 8 o'clock. We all know the Chinese girl. We keep in touch with her. She says that her parents think all Australians are terrible people. 
but they're puzzled why people are kind to her. And then they say, it's because they're Christians, that's why. And I thought, I think that's, that's the sort of thing that happens where, yeah, you know, we're strange, we're weird sometimes. But then you think, oh, I think they're right. I think they've got it right. I think it is right to tell the truth. I think it is right to be kind. I think it is right to, and so on. Anyway, that's what Peter says. He says, maintain good conduct among the Gentiles so that in case they speak against you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day of visitation. I thought that by way of finishing up, I would would ask you if you wouldn't mind just watching this as I read. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Just slightly changed, and you can look it up later, but just slightly changed so that it is, it is um, relevant to us. I'd like to read it, and then I'll invite you afterwards to read it with me. It's the praise of God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of our faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though we have not seen him, we love him. And even though we do not see him now, we believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for we are receiving the end result of our faith the salvation of our souls. I wonder if you'd mind standing and if you feel that you can say this, I invite you to say it with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us for through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while 
we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of our faith of greater worth than gold which perishes though refined by fire may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though we have not seen him, we love him. And even though we do not see him now, we believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for we are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls.